Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Lauren Smith is the hostess for Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio, which has been on air for over a decade and has completed over 300 shows. Lauren brings with her a unique viewpoint given that she is not only the daughter of one of the veteran female Bigfoot researchers in the South, but she has been conducting field research since she was a preteen some 20 years ago. Nightcallers is a Bigfoot world favorite and along with interviewing researchers and witnesses often features interviews with guests from the documentary film and entertainment industry. Lauren also does a vidcast segment called Nightcallers which features real encounters sent in by viewers. You can find all of this and more at nightcallersproductions.com. Welcome back to a special episode of the Bigfoot Society podcast where I've looked over the last year, 2021, and picked out my favorite eight clips and interviews from different episodes that I think you'll really enjoy and I feel they're good enough to uh, and fun enough to have another listen for. So enjoy this recap kind of you know how in a sitcom they do their like best scenes back in the day that might that might you might not get that reference but if you do you, you get what I'm saying so sit back enjoy and uh, see if you can guess which interviews and clips are going to be in this episode uh, they'll be listed in the show notes as well but you know don't uh don't be peeking all right thanks for listening and uh we'll see you next week of the rings lord of the rings favorite scene from lord of the rings gosh that's a good one it is i actually good. am I'm, I'm nerdy enough that i actually have a lot of the soundtrack that i play in my car sometimes. oh my oh you drive around to the soundtrack sometimes i do <laughs> yeah i love yeah. that like if I thought, i'm on road trips i'm yeah, like this yeah actually like oh my goodness and, that's so good yeah <laughs> i do that with back to the future because like come on oh god yes amazing oh, right yeah right okay the other one happened uh was the ghost story happened up in uh, at uh in wyoming at um john mayanzinski's uh uh place john and i've spent a lot of time together and i was up there and he has uh he has a cabin his own that he built himself and has a little guest cabin for people to visit. It's just, you know, 100, 150 yards down this trail separated from his cabin. And uh, it's a, just a little one room. And um, uh, I was in there. And during the night, I um, something woke me up, uh, or I became aware of something in the room, I thought. Now, I don't have great vision. I, I, I'm 22,000 something my okay. legally without my contact lenses or glasses. oh wow so, so at night you know i mean i can still see but at night my vision is compromised <laughs> if sure. my glasses are right where i put them then i'm i'm in trouble <laughs> but uh, i rolled over and and this cabin has a, has these huge picture windows around the uh, uh almost all the way around well on three three of the four walls have huge picture windows with no curtains or drapes and so uh, it's it's pretty dark, but the little ambient starlight's coming in. And standing next to my bed, you know, you brought up Mothman. 
this almost looked <laughs> like Mothman. It, no uh, way. It was this sort of ambiguous looking rounded shape with these two luminescent eyes sort no of there. No way. And it was just, but and, and the, the shimmering appear, appearance was just my blurry vision. And okay. I looked at it for a second and it was just, you know, two or three feet removed from the bed. And I looked at it and I just thought, it's weird. And I rolled over, <laughs> turned my back to it and went back to sleep. <laughs> this morning, I just had this kind of creepy feeling about it. And the next morning yeah. I asked, I told him, I, I didn't ask him. I just said, oh, you, I had the weirdest dream last night. I said, I, I dreamt, I rolled over and I described what I saw. He's sitting there just looking at me. He said, well, you're about the third person who's described that. No way. <laughs> and then he told me about his experience. He had something oh. um, and it has deep Indian uh, tradition roots. But something had, uh, well, there, he, there was a shortcut from down there. He lives just outside of Atlantic City, which is just an old okay. mining ghost town almost. But, uh, uh, and there was a shortcut. His, his cabin is up on the shoulder of the hill above the town. And he was walking that shortcut, which took him past this big old dead snag of a tree. And uh, he had a dog with him at that time. And the dog, as they approached the tree, the dog started to bristle and growl. Oh, this man. The dog kept watching the tree as they walked past, and he he you know called the dog, and the dog came along. He went into the cabin, and the dog came in and turned around and just watched the door of the cabin. And then the dog he said the dog's eyes followed something come through the door into the cabin. The dog walked you know paced it with his eyes going oh, across. Man. Anyway, that night John had a dream about a figure that was like that on his was a little clearer it was like a giant owl and suddenly the owl oh. and in his you know at least in his dream he thought it pounced on him and this owl you know it stands like five feet wow. and they were wrestling and uh, he said he felt like this was a life or death struggle for him and anyway he woke up the next morning just covered in sweat his bed linens and things are just ripped mm. apart and battered all over the floor and uh, anyway, he talked to a, um, a shaman about it, a, a, an elder in, okay. in the tribe, and, and he immediately recognized it. There's a name for it. I can't remember what the name is. Oh, really? The creature, that the spirit that, that when your uh, life is at a crossroads or, or very depressed or whatever, sometimes you encounter this spirit and you grow. He said, if you had lost your fight, your battle with this, you may not no have survived way. tell about it, you know? Oh, man. So this, yeah, very deeply entrenched in, in their in their traditional beliefs. And so so I may have caught a glimpse of of that. I, I didn't That's awesome. perceive any, any crossroads in my life. I was trying to think back to the circumstances at that time, if there was something going on. But apparently, you know, I, it wasn't so bad that uh, that it was deemed I needed to wrestle with the yeah oh, right wrestling with the angel you know in the, the biblical account. exactly old testament style yeah, yeah. Uh, yes because i was so stunned because <laughs> he just he didn't he didn't care but it, oh, it was weird too because he didn't have no fur it, it was just it, it, i i've wondered about this creature for a yeah. long time i don't know what was wrong with it if it was just old and big shit or what but it was that was probably 
but you're right. I've got a bunch of encounters that I've had. This just, uh, uh, I saw one time I saw a, um, I saw this weird thing that, uh, actually I think it was probably a dog man and Whoa. I saw him over a stream watching me really? and it was, dude, it, oh, man. I have never been scared in the woods. Oh, for real? Maybe. Yeah. And it, it, it was another hot summertime and it felt like, it felt like pure D.O. evil. Like the devil himself was sitting really? right beside me. And I saw this thing. I got that. That video was on YouTube. It's called okay. uh, Dog Man and Missing Time. Uh, that one freaked me out really. After wow. that one, I had a couple of people call me from the uh, desert southwest talking about uh, Wendigos and stuff. And basically, really? terrified the shit. it terrified the shit out of me. I never went back to that area. I went back a couple of weeks ago, and it was real quiet. But, man, mm. let me tell you something. I was on edge like you would believe oh i totally you know, I, I believe it yeah so i've had a i've had a lot of mm. crazy experiences going back to the the previous story when you're talking about the one that you saw with mange were you actually able to look in its uh face then oh yeah oh yeah it it, it do we describe it or yeah go ahead yeah that would be amazing yeah, yeah. It, it it was very it was human but it was not human if that makes sense mm, okay yep Yep. And, and and when it came out, it came out left to right. It came out, looked over at me, walked, and and went into. And that was what was odd about the, the other ones that I have seen have had a lot of hair. You know, nothing but hair. You could see the face. Uh, the one mm. I saw had the like the mongoloid across the, the top looking. This one, okay. it, it did. It does that make sense when I say it looked human, but it didn't yes. look human. Yes, it does. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, and it was just, you know, I don't know my impressions just, I felt like it was just, oh, it didn't care. Mm, interesting. And, then, and so one of the hunters at that camp, his mother, 80 years old, actually saw the same one 10 years ago. And that's yeah. how I knew. Yeah. And I've been able to correlate it with all the people that have hunted in this hunting camp and talk about it. It's Whenever you have somebody to back see the same thing you you've seen, it makes it it, it just it makes it even better to me because you've got more than one witness. You know? mm -hmm. so. I would have a lot of listeners uh, come after me if I was if I don't bring this up because this year's I Nebraska Bigfoot Conference became yeah very yeah. popular for you know like it got picked up by coast to coast and you guys were all over the place can you walk me through uh what happened that everyone had their eyes on the nebraska bigfoot conference i'll tell you what i'm gonna let Aaron right. start all right <laughs> go okay. ahead the very first thought that i had was this was not planned it was not a publicity stunt or anything yep. We had just gone past the noon hour and um, Igor had just started to speak, which was scheduled. And um, I don't think he was into his talk five minutes and his telephone rang, here he is up on stage. So he answers the phone and it's this guy named Alex, which we're looking, all of us, you know, you're going, who's Alex? We didn't mm -hmm. know. 
Igor was so excited and he started yelling, but he was in Russian. We couldn't understand mm. him. And this person on the phone, then he would yell back and then and then Igor, da, 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 and, and we're still, what's going on here? And the bottom line is this Alex, of course, in Russia, it was the middle of the night. Okay. Here, it's about two in the afternoon or something like that. And the bottom line was Igor had been going up there and he would spend like a month or so with this Alex and a couple other guys. Oh, wow. In a and they got some of the Bigfoot in that area started coming around their trailer a lot. Okay. And time they came, they would speak just like Ron Moorhead. If you've ever heard the Sierra sounds. That's okay. So that's awesome. You brought that up and I'll tell you why in a few minutes. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and you know, they've tested the Sierra sounds a zillion mm -hmm. times and it comes back, Scott Nelson, it's the real deal. And so in the meantime, Igor's yelling at Alex in Russian, and we're just kind of going on for the ride. And basically, this Russian guy said, um, Igor translated it, something to the effect that he has got this Bigfoot is standing right there next to him. Wow. And we were that, that's what we said, plus a couple other things. Mm -hmm. And so this Bigfoot guy started making all kinds of sounds, his voice was different than the recording that Ron Moorhead had, but sure. I mean, it's on the other side of the world. Right. And so we just listened to this conversation back and forth for five minutes or uh, at least. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Most of it, we did not understand what they were saying, but um, basically that was it. And so now we are in the process of having that tape and the same thing happened out in Colorado that we're having both of those. Oh, it did. Okay. Analyzed by a speech linguist who can tell us, first of all, if it mm. was a fake yep. or a hope, okay. or if like the Sierra sounds, it turned out to be the real thing. Uh, Mothman 46 uh, says, does, and it sounds like he's a fan of yours. So does Jody have any more info on the South American armored dogman incident, um, is I'm not a I'm not familiar yeah. with that story. Sorry. Well, actually, what, what what that story? Let me let me tell you the story. All okay, right. so I I met a gentleman um, who was prior military, and basically what his job was, um, he was working for a black unit. Okay. Mm. Okay. And his job was to recover down UFOs and their enemies. Oh, wow. okay. really? that, that was his job. And these are all guys that were former Navy SEALs, special forces, Rangers, you know, special op guys. Okay. Okay. So um, there was, he, he talked about in the 1970s, early seventies, the United States came across a new species of alien. Okay, he said there's 27 different species okay. that we deal with that we know of. Okay, this is a new one. These these were canine in character. Whoa. Okay, and they were very hostile. They're very nasty, very mean, and very dangerous. So 
there was a down craft, they recovered, I think five of them, he said. Um, but they, they, they had like a body armor that was kind of like, um, oh, man. uh, halo or, you know, yeah, yeah, something, yeah, right. something mm -hmm. to that effect, yep. but they had no helmet, um, no gloves and the, uh, right below the calves, they didn't have any type of footing on there. So okay. it was basically just protecting, you know, body from any, you know, from any type of, uh, damage. Sure. So they were so, so dangerous that they kept them out of the continental United States and kept them in a facility. I believe he said it was Honduras. Wow. South American country. So the facility that they had in, they were there for quite a few years. And he said they weren't intelligent, but they had common sense and they were problem solvers. Mm. Oh boy. Okay. So, Yikes. So basically, like a dog, okay? Yeah, right. Um, a dog will watch you, okay? You take certain sprees, a dog, like a, a German Shepherd, okay? Mm -hmm. Or a Rottweiler, some of these smarter species of dogs. Well, you can go and train them, but they're going to be defiant, and they're going to test you. They're going to see what your weaknesses are. In reality, they end up training you. And that's yeah. a fact. You can ask any type of <laughs> dog trainer will tell you, you know, uh, a, a, a German Shepherd will train you. Okay. Wow. I've got a six-year-old German Shepherd, paid $3,000 for him to get trained. Okay. And he trained me better. Okay. Because <laughs> the thing of it is, you know, you have to treat him like a dog and don't treat him like a family member. Okay. Right. So yeah. that this is how these things were. So they oh, were man. able to learn. They were watching. And they got to the point they were able to get out of the facility. Okay. And they did kill individuals there. Okay. They were able to recover their suits, their weaponry, and they just went, you know, crazy and got out of the facility, went into a small village there, ended up killing the people there. Okay. Oh, so they had to respond to there and eliminate the situation, which they ended up doing was killing them. But he said that they had special weapons that was able to penetrate the armor that they were they were using. But he, you know, when I was asking him about that, you know, he was saying you, you have to understand we we have technology that no one knows about. Weaponry oh, and sure. things like that. Totally. And I and I said, you know, why why aren't we using this kind of stuff? You know, and he said, the only time extraterrestrial weaponry would ever be used if we got into a massive war with China or the Soviet Union, that's mm -hmm. when this stuff will come out. Because, because it's it's if we don't, we're done. We're we're that done. Kind of deal. Yeah. Or you know, yep. some other alien alien species. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So he said, you know, there's you know. There's no need for it. Yeah. But yeah. they were able to eliminate the situation. Well, a few years later, I end up talking with a soldier that served in Afghanistan. Okay. Okay. And they were looking for a unit, got lost. Mm. They, they had total, uh, no contact with them. So they didn't know if they got ambushed, got killed, captured what. It's just they had some radio problems, and that's what the situation was. And they, they sure. found them. 
So at the point where they're looking for him, this was in Kandahar Valley. Now, Kandahar oh, Valley yeah. is where the, the giant, giant is found. Yep, totally. Okay. Oh, boy. So they're up on the mountainside. The team breaking off, you know, into different squads. He's with his battle buddy, and he's hearing something. So he tells his buddy, cover his six, he's going to go up and take a look. He goes up, and he comes right over the ridge, and he's looking over, and he sees two dead insurgents, okay? And he sees two werewolves oh, wearing man. body armor, oh, okay? Man. And they killed the other insurgent. Wow. So he's describing it exactly to the T what this guy told me. Now, Linda, I talked to Linda Goffrey oh, yeah, about sure. this story. Oh, yeah. Linda heard the same exact story from a completely different. Oh, contact. no way. So that verified the oh, story. Man. And it wasn't the same person she talked to because she knew, she knows who this guy is who told her that story because they yeah. became friends, but she heard the same exact thing. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that, so that, that verifies the existence of what happened there. Mm. So, you know, um, this American soldier saw, saw these two, you know, and, but he said they went, you know, a blue light flashed and, you know, when they left the area, but so they don't know if the blue light is going through a dimension, going through, getting beamed to their yeah. craft, something to that effect. So <clears throat> a few years after that, well, maybe about two years after that, I uh, got in contact with a very high-ranking Air Force officer. Okay. And he was telling me he works, you know, the Space Force was already there. Sure. Before President Trump okay. made it official. Right. Okay? So he said it was already there. Okay. <clears throat> so... Our space force is working with other species of alien. Wow. Some we trust. There's there's some out there we just don't trust. There's some that we trust that's helping us because eventually <clears throat> we have to unite against a evilness that's sure. coming. So okay. we that's why we were brought in. The, the whole thing the, here. That's why they tried is. We are aliens ourselves. Okay. Mm. Mars Twist. Mars yeah. was a planet where we came from. Okay. Wow. There was a battle between the Martians and another species. The Martians lost. Okay. Survival survivors came to Earth. Really? Okay, with the help wow. of another species. Okay. okay. So <clears throat> so you had different allies. In that battle okay so we're you know we're working with different other species of aliens so there's this one particular species of alien okay that the united states deals with we don't trust them military wise we can stand toe to toe okay okay but they're like very cunning they're very arrogant um they think they're better than everybody else you know and they're basically dangerous uh, mm. they would never try to pull the stuff on us that they pull on other planets because they know there'll be a consequence we'll, to that. we'll take them out yeah right yeah so <clears throat> what this alien species does and he says he was aboard their ship their ship okay along with other 
military officers. So they okay. go into a very large anger that's on the ship. He said they were thousands of werewolves. No way. Yeah. He said there were thousands of werewolves wearing oh, body armor. I was like, I didn't they think were, it was coming back to it. You brought yeah. it back to it. Yeah. Nice. He, these were clones. They oh, them clones. No. Okay. And what this alien species does, it will find a planet. Oh, it will snap. send these clones down. The clones will create havoc on this planet. Okay. Dang. To the point that the people on this planet cannot survive. They're being beaten. This alien species comes in, destroys the clones, become heroes, become friends with this society. Oh, they infiltrate no. into society. They infiltrate yeah. into local government. They infiltrate into their federal government. And they become the master. Holy okay? mackerel, dude. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, and so the, so this is what this species does. Okay. So, but he was saying that you know these alien species, okay, a body on it, okay. So, <clears throat> I'm I'm thinking about this, you know, because I I've seen something that dealt with a werewolf wearing body armor, other than these stories, okay. And I'm like, where did I see this? Where did I see this? So. <clears throat> Boom, it hit me. Star Wars, 1978. Oh, oh no. Okay. Now, George Lucas is a Mason. Okay. George Lucas yeah. had very good friends with a whole lot of other Masons at NASA. Oh, man. Okay. Now, you have to understand from the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, Masons pretty well ran a lot of stuff. Sure. And yeah. They ran, you know, NASA. Okay. Everybody in any type of command structure and NASA was a Mason. So he was able to see things when he, you know, when he did, you know, that, that he was able to see things that most people who even worked at NASA with Clarence's were not able to see. Wow. Okay. So NASA helped um, uh, Lucas with. Star Wars with a lot of different ideals. Okay. So he had two werewolves. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, totally. Yeah. He had yeah. two werewolves in the bar scene. Oh, okay? no, totally. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. In the, now, in the cantina. Baker, yeah. Yeah. Jim Baker made those masks. Now, he, Jim Baker was the one that did Harry and Henderson. Oh, no. Costume. Okay. Yeah. And he did the werewolf for. Um, the the new Wolfman movie, uh, the okay. remake of the 1941, sure. um, and he he did some other you know other monsters. Now he didn't do that just to throw additional mass in that movie. He was told make those. Wow. Okay. So what what's the reasoning for that? Well, in the 1980s. Um, Lucas Industries put out a book on Star Wars. Told you everything you needed to know about Star Wars because you had the Empire Strike Back coming in. You had, you know, the Return of the Jedi. All that, you know, mm -hmm. the franchise kicking up. Yep. So people were Star Wars hungry. So he did a oh, book totally. with told what 
each character was, what their uniform was, what their weapon, and all this stuff. Well, okay. and it, it even had some of the stuff from the bar scene. Now, oh, the werewolf in the bar scene, okay, in that book, is wearing body armor. Oh, my goodness. No way. The same exact body armor. <laughs> and I, I have a picture of it, okay, where it's no helmet, no gloves, <laughs> and cut right, right above the ankle. Okay. Oh wow! The exact, the exact description of what everybody was seeing, and George Lucas had this oh, in his goodness. movie. Now, and I can't remember what star I, I, I believe it was going to be in Rogue One that they were going. He was actually going to have those creatures in oh, really? Rogue One. Okay, when yeah, they yeah. Were, when they were on that planet. Uh, I can't think of the name of the planet. The one that um, the Death Star blew up, that yep. they were held captive for a little bit. Yep. When they were walking around with the other different species, they were going to have those alien, those dogmen there. Oh, uh, wow. But for some reason, it, um, it got pulled for some reason. Oh, okay. Man. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. But to make it even weirder, there's no way this can get weirder. Yeah. <laughs> Richard Hoagland. You know who Richard Hoagland is? I don't know. All right. Richard Hoagland is, wrote a, he's a big UFO guy. Oh, okay. Been that's why. Yeah. TV and everything okay. like that. All right. Author. <clears throat> now, Richard Hoagland wrote a book called Dark Mission. Mm. And basically what it was about was about the Masons running NASA sure. and how things were ran. Well, the Apollo 11, when it landed and was out looking around, it found a crash object in one of the craters. Mm. And there were body parts of a robot. So there's, they took photographs of it. So Richard Hoagland was able to get pit, the copies of the pictures under the Freedom of Information Act. Oh, wow. And plus he got them from friends from NASA. He actually got colored ones from the friends from NASA. And guess what the robot looked like? If if you say R2-D2 is C-3PO, I'm going to just toss it. Really? CP3O. Google. Oh, my goodness. Google Richard Hoagland's dark mission robot head, and it's CP3O's head. Wow. And there's also. That is awesome. Not, but not in this book. But there's also a photograph of a spaceship that was captured by uh, NASA astronauts while they're flying over the moon of a spaceship sitting in a crater that is identical to the Millennium Falcon. That's awesome. Yeah. So That's it, awesome. Okay. Jim, I, I got to tell you, you got a badass radio voice, man. You got, okay. So, all right. So we're technically recording. Voice, Ooh, tell me more. Uh, no, we're recording. So here's the thing. Oh, sorry. So I don't care. Uh, Patreon, you're going to have to deal with it for a few minutes. But Okay, so here's the thing. I used to I used to work at Apple as a genius in Des Moines because I live in Des Moines. Literally every week, a customer would say like, have I heard you somewhere before? Are you on the radio? You have a really good radio voice. Maybe you should do that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just fixing computers. And then I got really bored during pandemic. And I was like, I like Bigfoot and cryptozoology. Let's start a podcast and like, it's kind of worked so that's the next thing that happened yeah, thank okay. you thank no, you that, <laughs> no you got it really that's really nice yeah 
So what, um, what cool stories, uh, more co- cool stories, because you've already shared a lot of cool stories. What other cool stories do you have? Um, well, it's kind of on the next project. Um, okay. It's the Thompson Flat Monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a, it is very long and complicated. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, is that um, with Ape Canyon, the miners were up there for basically only, let's see, they started uh, prospecting in 1918 and then they split in 1924. And so um, that was about, what is that? About six years that the miners were up there okay. in Ape Canyon. Yep, yep. Uh, I've been on that project now for like about twice that time. Wow. So about 12 years-ish or so. The Thompson Flat Monster took place over the course of 30 years down in Southwest Oregon on the South Fork of the Sixes River. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to finish the research on the Thompson Flat Monster before I'm dead, (laughs) you know, given that given that time that takes place. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, But what ended up happening up there, they called it the uh, Gold Rush of Southwest Oregon. And in 1974, there was this fellow uh, named Tom, and uh, Tom was up there prospecting uh, just south of the river on Star Mountain. And uh, he was up there just with his dog, and he um, was just, you know, just small pick mining up there looking for gold, and he found it. But while he was finding it, Something came up from behind Tom and picked him up bodily off the ground. Whoa. He's down, crutched over, blah, blah, blah. and he something bodily picked him off of the ground, throttled him, threw him down a little 30-foot bluff. Oh. And Tom later said that he, it was just split-second timing. All I could see was that it was an incredibly large creature covered with hair they was able just to like throttle the crap out of him and throw him down a bluff and tom was smart and he told his friends that i'm going up to star mountain on up on south fork of the sixth river and uh i'll be back two or three days okay no tom Hmm. so his friends go up there and poking around like where is he and they find him unconscious at the base of the mountain uh, they pull him in a little bit of a makeshift stretcher, get him back into town and nurse him back to health. While Tom wow. is covering, um, one of his friends has picked up his stuff, his rifle in his bag. And he said he looked in his bag and he pulled out this huge hunk of quartz. And on the end of the hunk of quartz was the biggest gold nugget that he had ever seen in his <laughs> No way. That's what started what they now call, you know, sort of the Sutter's Mill of Oregon, the gold rush. Okay. And it's like, wow, there's gold up there and up on the South Fork of the Sixth River. And a bunch mm-hmm. of people start rushing up there to start. At first, their load claims where they're actually tunneling into the side of, uh, of the rock. Later, it turns into placer claims because it's easier to do placer claims than digging your way into hard rock Um, but a bunch of people start going up there to lay down their placer claims also concurrent with that are a bunch of 
published reports in, um, in the newspapers where um, it, it's not, it's not, I mean, some of them are pretty banal, what one, what one would call just a passive Sasquatch sighting, you yeah. know, of this creature down by the creek bed, six or seven feet tall, covered entirely with hair, seeing large prints in the creek beds and everything. Um, some of them not so passive. Uh, one of the first accounts, uh, uh, Tom, Tom Tom ended up getting back to health. He prospects a little bit more, lays down a couple of claims down there on the Sixes River, and then he just disappears. Uh, a couple of people also that you can read in, in some of John Green's books as well. Oh, nice. Um, a couple of people uh, bought one of his claims. They're coming back from their claim where they had set up camp with, you know, a, a camp. Uh, with tents and everything, they come up this hill, and there is this big bruiser, big creature, tearing the crap out of everything in their camp, tearing up their tent, tearing up everything, and throwing it down the hill. Whoa, and crazy! Take a few shots at take a few shots of the creature, and uh, doesn't do really do anything. They turn around and get back to town, and oh, within a matter of weeks sell their claim <laughs> so, you know, so they sell the claim well by that point uh, the Thompson this area is called Thompson, Thompson Flat it's a very small limited area okay. it's on the north side north side of the south fork of the Sixes River it's maybe about half a mile uh, long and about a quarter mile wide north to the south it's incredibly steep this is not volcano mm. country this is more uh, granite and marble uplift. It's more like mini Rockies, sort of. Oh, wow. It's very, very steep, but this is just a very limited small area, a small flat area. People are going up there and they're laying down gold claims because there is gold up there. Okay. And so um, there was, I found, a news, I found a newspaper article where uh, there was a person, a reporter who was traveling through the area and heard about a mining camp somewhere up there on the Sixes River and he visited it and this article was published oh golly 1881 1882 where the reporter went up there and found this small like tent city some of them with cabins um, oh. that were built and there were about he mentioned there were about 40 people there and uh, some of the miners up there uh, had their families with them had wives and kids and they were just working their individual claims and coming together in this little sort of village okay. and, uh, you know, sharing meals and sharing stories and sharing ammo or whatever resources they had. <clears throat> well, at the time when the reporter went up there, he was able to interview some of these miners and able actually able to name names. Some of these names, <clears throat> like Doc Elgin, uh, had his own Bigfoot uh, encounters with you know, uh, being scared off by this large creature. Some of the weird thing about it is that <clears throat> we tend to think of Sasquatch stories of this red, brown, hair-covered creature. Right. A lot of the stories up there at Thompson Flat describe them as blonde or yellow-haired. Really? Creatures. Yeah, not reddish oh. brown. Um, Whoa. So um, things are going along, you know, yeah, somewhat relatively swimmingly. Until uh, there was this one day when it's nighttime and, you know, people are back in camp 
And um, where's John? <laughs> you know, shouldn't John be back by now? Everyone's having dinner. Uh oh. Could you go check his <clears throat> go check his cabin? They knock. They open the door, and uh, there's uh, nobody in there. We better go back up to his claim. We better oh, go no. up to John's claim. They go up to John's claim, and there he is, dead. And um, his head's bashed in. Oh man! And uh, laying next to his body is a rock that's bloody. Oh man! Wow! So that was the first one, and then this happens repeatedly four times again within the period of about eighteen months. And uh, so uh, the first two uh, with uh, John McClone um, and uh, and yeah and Jan, John Jensen. Um, they, they go right up to the bodies. The next ones, uh, the next one is, uh, is a guy named, uh, Bullhide Johnson. Uh, he was gone for a number of, uh, days, uh, and eventually weeks. And they find his body again, beaten to a pulp out there in the middle wow. of nowhere. Oh, that's well, crazy. So at this, at this point, people are getting freaked out because yeah. there are a number of sightings. The last one was Mike Madigan. Mike uh, was one of the first ones to go up there and start prospecting for gold. He didn't look for gold a lot, uh, but he was mainly a, a huntsman. And he went out there hunting. He worked on his mine a little bit, but he went out hunting, brought the meat back in and traded it for goods and that kind of thing. Madigan was uh, going out in the woods hunting at Thompson Flat with his two dogs up on this rise, he sees this huge creature. His dogs being hunting dogs instinctively, one of them takes off. The creature grabs the dog and Whoa. just throttles him, killing him, throws oh, him off. Man. Madigan is, takes his rifle and takes a few shots into him. The next dog takes off towards this creature. Madigan is like trying to call his dog back throwing bullets into this creature. The creature grabs the second dog, kills the other dog. Madigan splits, turns around. So with these recurring violent stories of this six to seven foot tall hair covered creature, people, yeah. have, people have vacated Thompson Flat and Madigan is pretty much the only person left up there. Um, well, Madigan comes back into town once in a while and trades goods week or two goes by and madigan's not back into town oh, his, man. Fr his friend ramsey is like i'm gonna go look for him he goes up there and he's searching around around madigan's camp and he finds this uh new kind of like big pile of rocks strangely piled st strangely piled up and he digs through it and there's a body in there that's Whoa. been in underneath these rocks for a number of days or more. Oh, he recognizes man. the body because of the sidearm, because of the revolver, and because of okay. the knife. And he's like, that's Madigan's. That's Whoa. Madigan's. Right. So the what we have now, and after, after that, there was an attack on what was called the Harrison Cabin in 1904 and a few other Sasquatch sightings up there. But the weird thing about it is that right off of the west side of Thompson Flat, there is this dinky little nothing burial ground. And this is in the National Forest now. And it's like mm. two, two miles from the logging road. It's out in the middle of the woods. 
right off of the edge of Thompson Flat, there's a burial ground. The grave markers are mainly wood and they're all kind of decomposed and falling oh, over. Oh man. But what Whoa. we do have from the genealogical society is we do have the burial records in um, the Huckleberry Knoll Cemetery, as it's called. Hmm. And the funny thing is, is that each one, there's basically only four burials up there. Okay. Each one of the names in the Huckleberry Knoll Cemetery at Thompson Flat matches the names of the miners who were killed by unknown means at Thompson Flat surrounding what? aggressive sightings of this oh. large cryptid. I, that's a little weird, man. Sure is. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So oh, boy. as we spoke about before, you can imagine yeah. what this involves. Uh, medical examiner's records, yeah. death records, mining records, deed records, anything I can get my hands on to try to put the pieces of this story together. Oh, and then, and then once I get something, you know, a doc in the document evidence, taking that document evidence and going out to Thompson flat and seeing, yep. I'll, again, as a surveyor, I'll be able to figure out who, who, where was Jensen's claim? Where was McClone's claim? Where was Madigan's oh, yeah. claim? Where was the Harrison cabin claim of where they were attacked in 1904 to try to put this story onto the ground what evidence that's awesome so that is really cool oh man thank you for sharing that yeah great that's cool and that'd be like that could be another book by itself oh sure and it could be another 10 to 20 years yeah Yeah. well yeah (laughs) so i guess we'll see right (laughs) right yeah 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 Yeah. I, I oh go, man, I go, I go for quality. I don't go for quantity. So That's right. That's as long, right. As long as it takes, man. Future generations will appreciate that. So, they, well, That's they good. might have to take it over from me. I got to tell you. That's a good point. Yeah, pass on the football. Yeah, but right on. Oh man, Mark, thanks for for giving us a little bit more. This has been really fun. Oh, it's um, been great. Man, you're you're a cool dude oh thanks who is man. also very humble and i appreciate that it's no very no cool, but we had, we had a great time tonight i really appreciate you having me awesome. on reaching out to me that's a lot of fun thank you hopefully uh someday i'll be able to our paths will cross and uh yes. we'll have a glass of wine or something that'd be awesome i'd, I'd like that a lot yeah awesome. okay that'd be cool okay <laughs> yeah um you, you uh you had mentioned that you've gone to uh, north america uh, for expeditions as well. Do you mind sharing about uh, some of that? Yeah, quite a few times. I mean, the first okay. time with Adam Davies and Laurie Simmons, and we got the um, um, we got the sort of camera trap photo that's quite controversial. I mean, I really don't know what that was, but we did have um, uh, if you can see it on YouTube, Extreme Expeditions, it comes up, and okay. we did have. Um, you know, one of our members is quite stocky, crouched in the same position, but somebody else did analysis has said, you know, from judging Dave's height compared to this thing, this thing was about eight feet tall. So, you know, wow. that was quite, but we don't know. I mean, we didn't know whether it was, you know, I think we were just open-minded. We, is it one of us in a sleeping bag or it just looked too large? Um, mm. 
very strange that it was just no footprints because the ground was just really solid or just dust, you know, exactly. you can get footprints. But yeah. I did, we did see um, about 10, 15 miles away from there, we did find some really good Bigfoot footprints, which you could tell were um, cast some of those, got some um, okay. cool. of those. And you could see it was something really heavy because it was in mm. mud. I tried to jump off a log. And yep. so whether I could recreate the depth and I was just nowhere near the depth. Yeah. You, you hear know, that all the, the time. Was yep. quite heavy. And you could actually see where its <clears> toes were like crunched down, trying to get hold as it went up, you know, a slope. Mm. So they were pretty, you know, and they got the one after the other. They're not side by side. They're like one after the other, you know, and that's, they look quite authentic. And I also heard what I think was a howl. On really? Uh, yeah. Just as I was getting my tent. The others had gone over the other side, but I could hear what sounded like a howl. Was it like, um, yeah. are you familiar with like the Ohio howl from the, the early 90s, like that one? Yeah. It's the one you it's hear on all the TV easy. shows, you know? Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. It was like that. Like yeah. that. Yeah. But the, 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 the excitement stuff really started to happen. Oh, with 2014, I went out with Tom Contral. Tom, I've met Tom on the first Oh, day. yeah, Tom. totally. Cool. And we went quite a few of us met up and, and we went um, just outside Orleans as a logging road up there. Uh, is it the OS or OG road? Anyway, the Orleans to, oh, I can't remember the name. Anyway, this was in 2014 um, and we got there and you could clearly see what looked like Bigfoot footprints within no minutes. Way. Like over the anthills, these big footprints. Like, Whoa, this is oh, good. Wow. And then about it's about three four days in we were regularly would drive to willow creek just to get a meal which is about 40 miles away okay. now the logging road's really good it's sort of you know um oh what do you call it i don't know what you call it it's like gravelly stuff but it can drive quite fast on it you can probably gotcha. do it yep. quite safely yeah um and then you know bits of the campsite you have to go really slow but um we were going along there it was 24 in the afternoon and I suddenly see from a distance, and I'm really annoyed because it was the I was just charging my camcorder batteries, <laughs> and I've all mm. all the previous times that I'd had it jammed in with my neck support thing. And like, oh no! And I could see this these things from a distance, and they look like two men in all in one suits, dark suits with a hood up, but Whoa. bare feet. And I said to Tom. God, what are these idiots doing? They're killing their feet on there. God, do you think they're drug runners or something? He starts laughing and he said, what are you here to look for? Or something oh, like that. Oh, that's awesome. And, and, yeah, what are you here oh, to yeah, look for? Oh, yeah, it gets better than that, though. They then ran out into burnt trees and then panicked because they couldn't get cover because it was literally burnt out for miles on the one side, but not on oh, the other. yeah, sure. And then they suddenly came back in front of the car. And I'm talking, I've got my head turned to Tom. I heard him yell. And suddenly they're right in front of the car and he slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's like quite, you know, um, gravelly. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell they were panicking. They were like roof flapping. Their, their, their faces like twitching for the one. You could, I was just looking at the one, you know, I was flicking oh. to the two, but the one I was looking at mainly. And you could see the faces twitching. They were that close. They were panicking. They didn't know what to do. And then they shot down a really steep slope, which um, afterwards, it's funny, people do this. I've read it very consistent. People will see them and not stop. 
because your brain's going, oh, it's not so yeah, that. But it doesn't also, know what to do. Yeah. You know, part of my brain is also wouldn't have said stop because a bit of things were they just really weird looking drug runners because your brain's trying to rationalize yeah, it. It's got to be something else. Seeing. Yeah. But also, you don't. But for Tom, it was the novelty. He hardly, like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you've seen them, sort of thing. He hardly reacted because um, Tom's seen them loads of times. And Arla, um, yeah. Kalich was in the back as well. And she um, she didn't react too much because she's you know she's seen loads of them as well. But they so were like who was that? Who was that in the back? Arla, Arla Kilich, uh, Collins. I never pronounce her name right. Um, I'll, I'll check though and let you know. But okay. uh, Arla, I know is Arla. But um, okay, uh, Colette. That's it. I think. Um, anyway, she was in okay. the back as well. She'd been half asleep, so she woke up just to see them shooting over this slope. Yeah. But it was. A close-up, you could see the, um, it wasn't fur, it was like hair all over, just like this, but all over, apart from the face, which was a lot bearer, mm. um, and the hands looked a lot bearer, and the, some of the feet, really? you know, a little bit on the chest, but, but you could see that the face was really not like, their eyes were a lot bigger than I expected, they were all dark, couldn't see any white at all, they were quite spooky looking eyes, very mm -hmm. deep. Brow ridge, um, okay. pointed head like as you know, domed head like a gorilla, like sagittal crest, sure. possibly, and massive shoulders. The shoulders are about three and a half foot across. Oh, wow, very, but it was almost like an inverted triangle. So, you've got the, the very broad mm -hmm. shoulders, and the legs were incredibly thin. I didn't, you know, they weren't stocky like they portray in some images, they were like human's okay. legs. That's the interesting. Top was, they were a bit like a, a rugby player in England or. I don't know what you mm. call rugby there, but but rugby players don't have much neck; they're very muscly. Sure. Okay. And a bit yep. similar. You couldn't see much neck as well. Oh and man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So remind me, um, how far away were they when you're when you're taking a look at them? Uh, I reckon I said fifteen feet. Tom oh, said wow. twenty feet. But, and I said they were six and a half and seven foot tall. Tom said they were seven and seven and a half feet tall. He's ex forces, so he's probably going to be, and he's an ex logger. He's probably better at judging distances. So sure, yeah. Uh, you said Northern California area because you were driving into Bluff Creek. Yeah, it was yeah. basically. Um, we found out afterwards it was two and a half miles from Bluff Creek where Patty mm. was formed, where we saw them. Wow. Yeah. Humboldt, uh, I think that's Humboldt County, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, curious. I don't think you mentioned this. Do you remember color scheme at all? Uh, they were like very dark. It was almost like black, but it's like slaty gray. But I think they were black because it was very dusty. I think the dust had ah. given the effect of slaty gray. But I think they were actually black or very, very mm. dark brown. But they looked almost like slaty gray. We have Welsh slate, and that's like a very dark grey. It looked did, like that. Um, it was so dusty did, there. Did seeing uh, so looking at the 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 um, the figures, looking at the faces, did that evoke any uh, emotions, particularly in you? I always find that interesting. I think those basically like it's like seeing a unicorn in the middle of the road. You just go, oh, I can't believe yeah. I'm seeing this. And your brain's going, oh, it can't be that. It must be drug runners. There must be drug runners with bare feet. Okay. Perhaps they're, perhaps they're, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, I was thinking, well, if they're wearing a big woolly suit, you know, fur suit in that weather, it was hot, 
it was really cold at night, but it was really hot gotcha. in the day because it was June. You know, they'd be black, as Tom said, they'd be, you know, blacking out yeah. in no time. They would not cope with that heat. So, you know, but your brain sort of rationalizing, are they just really ugly blokes? And I think they, <laughs> I, I hope I'm never going to end up in an interview with this guy, but I would describe the face like a really ugly Xavier Badem. Got very similar features to him. That's amazing. Yeah, but no, I know. It. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was amazed how human like. Yeah. Wow. That's that's and really I, and interesting. And I'll find you the, as I speak, and I'll find you the net. I'll some. Surname, I'm hopeless on her surname, but um, she she says some of them are actually quite handsome, you know, by human terms. Some of them are quite, you know, ape-like, and some are. I say Arla, really, Kalich Colette. That's her name. Yeah. Um, do you mind? Uh, do you have like that written down in front of you? Yeah. You... Spell it. Yeah. C A I W L E A C H, and her surname is. C O L E T T. Is that another uh, um, uh, researcher from the UK or? No, she's from uh, originally from Texas. Really, yeah. I've never heard yeah. that name before. And that's, she's written that's books interesting. on it as well. Her okay. experiences as a child. She, her and her mother um, came across a couple, and that she's been into. I have to check check that out. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. They're saying that some of them were better like almost like uh better looking than others or like some of them yeah um, there's basically yeah, that's, that's that's so there's the ugly ones and the pretty ones there's huh. basically those who look ape like and those who look yeah, quite human like yeah. and i know some people have said is it a subbreed or are they just like people you're going to get ugly people and pretty people and yeah all right go ahead all right so a quick story uh that's called the bigfoot child that's um and it, it was related to me by one of the guys over at the uh, visitor center in Ninana. And it was, it's really common for people who live along the waterways to travel from like Ninana over to Copper Center uh, through the waterways. And then, you know, they might overnight at Copper or overwinter at Copper Center and then mm. in the summer return back, right? So it's really a really common practice. And this story is of a woman, this older woman, who went went over to Copper Center to do her uh, salmon fishing, right? And she overwintered there. And one like one day she like went out to get firewood and there was like this Bigfoot child that was oh. abandoned or lost or something. And she was, mm. she was scared of it. And then she, so she kind of like went back inside and kind of kept an eye on it uh, from inside. And it, like there, there weren't any others around and she didn't know what, what all was going on. So she brought it inside to warm it up because it was like pretty cold out. Okay. And, and there weren't any others that came around looking for it. So she had no idea mm. like what was going on. But this thing would uh, like help her move wood and that sort of thing. Oh, right? real? wow. Yeah. Huh. And, and like they, they just could, they kind of bonded. And then in the, when the summertime came around, they went back to Ninana and she went back with this Bigfoot, you know, that she had kind of collected over the winter. Oh, and yeah. apparently um, 
she had, she had decided like she was old enough that she decided uh, that she, she didn't want to go back and forth too much like anymore or very mm -hmm. much at least. So she mainly stayed in Nana. And from what I was told, this thing uh, wore a couple articles of clothing. And I don't know what exactly that means. Mm. Um, and it could understand a couple words. Like she trained wow. it to understand a couple words. And I think it could say one or two words, you know, like maybe would or something. And sure. it, so there was like a little bit of communication and it mainly just stuck with her, but sometimes she'd send it to like the uh, outpost to, to get like groceries or something or to carry like the heavy stuff with her. That's, That's so cool. wild. And then when she passed, it just, uh, it just walked off into the woods and no one ever saw it again. That's wow. Has that ever been like, is that in any books? Like that's, I've never heard that I before. I don't it's really weird. Think I've ever seen it in a book. Um, wow, really? He told me so that he it had just been passed down to him. Oh man. Yeah. Um, did that's you say from New Nana? Did you say what year about that took? What like a year or not really? Um, he said he thought it, it was from around 1860. Oh, that's crazy! Wow. Yeah. So that would have oh, that would have been. The majority would have just been uh, natives in the area, okay. but there would have been some miners and stuff. So. Thanks for taking your time out of your busy day and spending some time with us. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Leave a review on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and uh, your preferred podcast platform. And uh, if you have any stories, you can give us an email at BigfootSociety at gmail.com. And again, check out the articles we have and more preferred book lists at BigfootSocietyPodcast.com. You can always go to Instagram at BigfootSociety. And we have a TikTok now. It gets pretty crazy there. Bigfoot.Society at Bigfoot.Society. If you'd like to support the Bigfoot Society podcast and help us keep the lights on, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. And for a low cost per month, you can get your very own Bigfoot Society membership card in the mail. We'll see you there. Thanks again for taking your time listening to the Bigfoot Society podcast. We'll see you next week. Uh, next Saturday will be a new episode. And also, if you want to take part in the live taping of the episode and put your questions in there for the guest, just remember, subscribe to the Bigfoot Society YouTube channel and hit the bell so you don't miss out on any of those episodes. Thanks again, all, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.